Hello everyone and welcome back to the Cyclocross Social Podcast. It's been a blast this season, or at least the World Cup has gone past so quickly. It feels just like yesterday that we sat here recording about the first round in Waterloo, but we are already here, Besançon, the final round of the World Cup, and with me here to discuss that is Issa. Yes, thank you for having me. Thank you for being here for 13 out of 14 World Cups, real dedication, appreciate it a lot. Let's go and talk about the men's race here in Besançon. It was a predicted scenario. Macho van der Poel was the big favorite going into this race and he had the best start. He was leading the peloton, but as he had announced prior to the race, he would be taking it easy to allow his brother, David van der Poel, who was potentially riding his final race here, have a bit of a chance to get into the race. Van der Poel took it easy, David couldn't benefit from that, but it led to a peloton cross in the first 25 minutes of the race. Then Van der Poel attacked on the gravel climb and he dropped the rest. Nobody could follow him. It was as simple as that. One attack, he was gone and he started to build his lead until it eventually went towards one minute. From there on, we focused on the battle behind him. Van der Poel would not be in danger anymore. But the battle for second was super entertaining. There was a group of around 8-9 riders fighting for those two remaining spots on the podium. And it looked a lot like a road race. Zweig attacked from the back of the group sometimes. Fantorini was trying to drop them. Fantorini did a lot of work. But ultimately, in the final lap, we saw that Isbeet had something left in the tank. He placed a long attack and basically dropped everyone except Zweig. Zweig was able to bridge the gap on the graveled climb and looked to be good for at least the podium. But that was without Isbit having a mechanical. Isbit had a mechanical and therefore dropped back to 10th. Zweig therefore could easily take 2nd. But that led a new spot of the podium opening up. And there was a heavy battle for that. Joris Nieuwenhuis, who was riding a strong race, had a small gap. But he was already completely dead. And Vanturini, who started the final lap as last out of that group of... Eight riders for the remaining podium positions went all out. He came super close, but ultimately on the short final straight could not pass Nieuwenhuis. And I have to say that despite being a bit sad that Fantorini didn't get a podium, Nieuwenhuis definitely deserved his first podium of the season because he had a very good season. Then on to the race about Van der Poel Essam. It's hardly a surprise that he wins, but I hope for all the other riders that they did not catch a cold with the World Championships next weekend because, wow, that was one attack. Yeah, it was. I mean, the French fans were definitely making some some noise, but I think you could maybe hear an engine go around in that attack. It was, yeah, uh, very Thunderpool-esque the way he went. And that is something that we know he is able to do. And I think that at the moment he is physically in, in, in good shape. Uh, the attack and also what he did after that after that attack maintaining the gap you know without really pushing that much i think that overall he you know his race was was very strong and now we can go on with the speculation in also in in, in the preview podcast but we can start with the speculation who is going to be better van der poel or van aert but from what we have seen this weekend is that both guys are physically at the moment in in very good shape and they are ready to uh, perform well in next week 
Yeah, exactly. This is what you want to see the week before the World Championships. You want to put in a good ride, gain confidence, especially after the season Van der Poel had. They stated that they did not purposely dodge Wout van Aert. They made this plan earlier. They were going to come here with almost the entire team after they did the Benidorm World Cup and the training camp near there. So you just need to take the win here. If you're not going to take the win here as Van der Poel, something will have gone wrong and you don't want any signs of back pain or any other issues and he didn't have them he looked pretty good on the bike today he looked comfortable i thought he looked pretty lively especially on this graveled climb standing on the pedals every single lap pacing himself there it looked good but as you say Fout van Aert yesterday also looked absolutely fine it's going to be interesting i will gather some thoughts on who i think will be the favorite so we can discuss that in the preview podcast but it's definitely the impression you want to make and Van der Poel did what he wanted to do and I think we can say the same for Eli Isubit. Okay, 10th, but without that mechanical he would have been second and it looked pretty good. Yeah, a shame for, for Isubit. I think that he definitely deserved that second second spot on the podium. He was the one that saw Van der Poel... Uh, uh, attack and, and and leave the others behind. Then after that, he kind of knew that it was going to be a race for second. I wouldn't say that he had it in the back, but definitely with with his attack last lap, uh, leading them out, it was uh, he was in a very good spot to to take second. Um, but yeah, the mechanicals is, is something that that we know in cyclocross is is it can happen, and um, we have seen it sometimes with some some bikes that it's a bit difficult here with the hills. It's very fast, so you might end up with some issues changing gears, and I think uh, that didn't help uh, Ezerbeet in the end. And well, for him, I think the feeling is good, and he should just take that good feeling to next week and hope for uh, for an okay weather. Because I think on a fast course, Ezerbeet is definitely he has a very good shot of of getting a podium. Yeah, if the course is fast, he would be my third favorite, seen especially his ride in Benidorm, which was even stronger than today. But we don't know. The weather forecast is currently saying rain. And then we might be looking again at Michael van Turenhout. But who knows? We'll keep that speculation for the preview podcast. Sveik today also not making a bad impression, but he didn't make a very great impression either because he was hanging on the back of that group, looked to be struggling... Okay, he had that one attack in the midway point of the race and that looked okay. But then again, back to sitting at the back. But I guess on a fast course like this, he also benefited from that because he saved a lot of energy and ultimately had that left in the tank in the final lap. Unlike a rider like Van Turini, who did way too much work throughout the entire race and ultimately paid for that because if he had had a bit more left in the tank... He could have easily been fighting for the podium, even without that mechanical of Eli Isabit. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, for Sveik, it reminds me a little bit of that race in Dublin, where Sveik was was at the front for a moment and then was a little bit more at the back. And then we had that moment where we were thinking that Sveik was not going to play for the podium, and there he was again. So I think Sveik kind of realized how the race would would play out and and realized that it was going to be very difficult to open a gap only for van der poel it would be possible to to ride away and i think that he kind of already knew that it was going to be a race from second especially after what happened to him at the start of the race and and to some others you know and from there he kind of knew that 
it was okay to sit at the back it will cost you a little bit of energy but you can also save quite some energy as well and he was definitely going for for that third spot when Iserbeet attacked and then the luck was on his side Iserbeet had his moment and uh, Sve could could snatch second and you know if you look at the race of Anturini it's a bit of a shame that he wasn't able to get a podium uh, in front of, of, of home crowd in, in his own country but I think that overall at the end of the race he kind of, he sounded very um, very happy with his result and you know he, he tried to, to be a little bit more at the front to stay out of trouble which in a way is, is definitely true but it also means that it might cost you a little bit more energy and maybe energy that could have potentially helped him a little bit more in, in the later part of the race and to secure that third spot but Neuhaus on the third spot is also very very good and he deserves it especially if you look at his season where he came from and the way he rode this season it was it's definitely a reward the way he has been riding that third spot oh yeah for sure Neuhaus deserves it and Van Turini was happy with his result and I can understand that since it was by far his best result of the season out of the big races. It's the first time he breaks into the top 10 just in time before Worlds. Last year we saw a similar trend. He rode an even smaller cross campaign then but only the weekend before in Hamme and Hogerheide he showed his form. I recall him missing the top 10 in Hogerheide due to a crash but before that, it was not that good either. Even in Flamanville, still, he was outside of the top 10. And then at Worlds, he ends fifth. Okay, of course, it's a course that suited him, and today as well. But especially as this course suited him, I think he was just racing like an idiot today. I would expect more from a rider who has a lot of experience, not only in cross, but also on the road. Today was an old-school cross, in a way, because it was a wide course, a typical French course, wide had natural elevation but nothing too serious some barriers some stairs and above all it was not completely filled with 180 degree corners to please the sponsors i like this type of course and it reminds me a lot of the courses that were almost the standard in the early 2000s and if it's dry you get more grouped racing if it's not dry and it's muddy you get a race like you had last year and that is also cross but when the surface is like this, you just can't do what Fantorini was doing. You can't take the lead at the end of lap 1, pay super hard for 3 laps. Van der Poel is allowing the other riders to play in his playground. He, as you say, is the only rider that can break away. But then after that, in the chase, Fantorini was still doing a lot of work. It's not just positioning, it was just a waste of energy. You can't race like this. It's like on the road if you're in the Tour of Flanders breakaway. And for the final 60 kilometers, you drag along 5-6 riders in your wheel and you maybe drop one or two on the Oude Quaremont and the Paterberg, but then in the end they will come and smoke you in the sprint and that's exactly what happened with Van Terini. and if you race like that you don't deserve the podium and somebody like Nieuwenhuis who raced way smarter after such a season then as you say deserves the podium more because not only for a season, I mean Van Terini would also deserve it if he got it, but... You just need to be smart, and if you can't play it smart, even such a final lap won't save you, because credit to Fantorini for that final lap, going into it as last, basically, from that leading group. If you rewatch it, you can see in the background him making some quite tasty dive bombs to gain positions. 
So, I mean, it's not to roast Fonterini. I respect him. I would have loved to see him in, on the podium, but he should have been smarter today. Personally, I think that, for example, Kuhn was, was definitely one of the riders that was a little bit more conservative. Um, I think that his attack in the penultimate lap was maybe a bit too ambitious and that costed him then in the last lap and that might have also cost him in in terms of trying to get a top five uh, but you know the same goes for Laurens Weg and also Iserbeet they were very smart the moment Van der Poel went they knew that it was going to be a race for second and all that energy that you're going to be using to lead the, the group out is is energy that that might cost you in the end of the race, especially on a course like this where the margins are very small and it's very difficult actually to make a gap. Uh, but at the moment that you are, you know, that the tank is empty, it's very difficult then to to get around. And I think that um, that, that that is these type of courses are always they they are not fun for the riders, but they are definitely fun for the viewers because you know the racing is a bit closer and. Uh, I think that right now it was easier beat that ended in tenth was just shy. I think one minute seventeen seconds. Um, that is something that you don't see that often in a cyclocross race. Yeah, I think even for the riders it was fun. It's a different dynamic. And Thomas van der Spiegel gave an interview saying that cross is not only for the Flemish mud and it's for all surfaces. And I very much agree with that. In that same interview, he, by the way, said that London is probably coming to the World Cup for next season, but we'll wait for confirmation. It should be released this week. We'll make a podcast next week afterwards about that. But back to the racing, I do agree with what you say. And if you look at the gaps, I mean, Van der Poel is 50 seconds ahead, but then from place two until place nine, there's 15 seconds separating them. And that is fantastic. It's also, I mean, I already said it, Newhouse, it's fantastic to see him on the podium, but I will just say it one more time that it's really good to see him up there. I think this is his first podium in a World Cup since that second place in Heus de Zolder, or was it, yeah, it was a third place in Heus de Zolder in 2018, and that focus to the road, I think it was a bit of a mistake, he would have been better if he focused on cyclocross and I'm happy that he is now back fully doing cyclocross and I'm really curious to see if he can continue to make a bit more progression going into next season because then it would be very nice to see Nieuwenhuis fight with the likes of Isebiet, Van Turenhout, Zweig and Van der Haar at the beginning of the season. It would be nice to have an extra name in that mix because those names we've seen them for quite some years already now so yeah. Would just be nice. Let's look at the entire top 10 then. Van der Poel with the win ahead of Zweig and Nieuwenhuis. Van Turini in fourth ahead of Van der Putten, Kamp and Kuhn. Eighth place went to Gerben Kuipers ahead of Boros in ninth with Eli Isbiet rounding out the top 10. I think there are two riders we need to talk about. First of all, Niels van der Putten. He had a bit of a rough period with the results not go really going his way couple of times barely or even outside of the top 10 in the Christmas period. Belgian championships were disappointing but from Benidorm there were definitely signs of improvements with a top 10 place there and now a top 5 here in Besançon. Yeah indeed I think for him definitely a good results maximized it in my opinion. You know he was also one of the guys that didn't really 
pull that much at the front was following quite well and understood that it was an opportunity for him to get himself within the top 10 and I think with fifth it's even better because then you get yourself in the top five so Van de Putte this season and also last season a little bit it is I think in for him it's a bit of a tendency to have an inconsistent season with very high ups but also some quite some lows and sometimes it's with circumstances outside of him but it's a bit typical for Van de Putte the last two seasons he he has been been scoring well but then that also follows with a period where he doesn't score that that great so I think for him it's uh, definitely a plus to to score a good result just before the Worlds and uh, that will definitely be very good for a rider like him it will motivate you and that that will definitely help him out then another performance that must be mentioned is Gerben Kuipers in 8th. A very strong ride by him. He had a terrible start. Lost 20 seconds in the first lap, 10 seconds in the lap after. Then was able to put in fast lap times and come back. He paid the price eventually for not having these moments of recuperation, which the riders fighting for 2nd and 3rd did have. Still 8th place is a very good result and... We have understood that he is on the verge of signing a deal with the Tormans team, the team that arguably needs him the most. So that's the good news for him. And yeah, I'm curious to see if that will eventually work through. For the rest, outside of the top 10, Tom van der Bos ending 13th means that Wout van Aert will need to start the World Championships on row 2. And Marek Konwa, the Polish champion in 15th, he was close to ending in the top 10 at some point ultimately couldn't follow the likes of Kuipers following through the field so still 15th is a good result for him then on to the women's race in the women's race Mary Schreiber had the best start no surprise but it was also no surprise that the favorite for today Puck Peterson took the lead just like in the men's race racing was pretty compact but at the end of the start loop or basically first lap Puck Peterson had a mechanical her chain dropped and she was 20 seconds down but as quickly as she dropped down in the same pace she was back at the front within one lap she was leading the race again and it didn't take long for her to attack either she attacked and dropped the rest and basically was in a comfortable position to take another victory Van Van Empel wasn't here she already secured the victory of the overall classification Shane van Androoy also not here today. She already was secured of a third place, would never have ended second. So that really left Peterson as main favorite for her to take the victory. Behind that, there was a battle between a triple seven duo of van der Heide and Worst. Ultimately, Worst in the final lap managed to distance van der Heide and take that second place with van der Heide ending third. So about that win of Peterson, it just looked so natural and so easy, but... It was also not really a massive surprise that she took the win, although the ease with which she returned after that mechanical is still it's like it's always impressive when you see somebody just cut through the field like that and then basically attack almost right away after that as well. Yeah, and I think what impressed me the most was the fact that she stayed very calm and, you know, there was, I think, for her quite some reason to panic in a way because... It could have influenced the race a little bit more. And especially at that moment, you know, it's definitely not something that you want to have and you don't foresee things like that. So I think that she handled the situation very well, 
didn't rush herself. The pace at the front was dropped a little bit. That helped her out also. But I think just overall it was for her a matter of time to get to the front. And when she eventually got to the front, it was for her also time to then, uh, you know, dictate the pace, uh, put the others under pressure. She got the gap. And then for her, it was a matter of maintaining the gap, making sure that um, you don't go too fast. And uh, just finished very strong. And I think she did it that. And, you know, yesterday we had the confirmation that Van Empel was uh, in very good. And today we get the confirmation that Peters is also in a very good, uh, very good form. So uh, again, in this category as well, we have um, you know the two favorites have uh, passed this weekend without any any problems, uh, fortunately. And now it's uh, the focus to next week. Yeah, a lot of parallels with yesterday. Yesterday, double Jumbo win. Today, the Alpecin win. The Alpecin riders confirming that they are definitely in form for the World Championships as well. I really like the interview with the dad of Peterson during the race. He doesn't really talk all too much and I've raced against Peterson so I have seen him at the races in the youth and he is such a humble down-to-earth guy who really rationally views everything. When asked is it a surprise that Peterson is able to comfortably win these races when she was fourth or fifth last year he says well no it's national progression we expected it and would have been disappointing if she wasn't able to fight for wins this season last year she was already close she's young we know that there's progression so you come through about the mechanical he just stays so calm and i don't think peterson would need it but this, this dad would never allow peterson to lose contact with earth and like he will keep both feet of peterson on the ground and i don't even think that's needed knowing peterson but if you have any problems, just have a conversation with this man. His calming voice will solve everything for you. So that was really a lovely moment in the race. And I think it was also lovely to see Anne-Marie Worst end on the podium. Because for her, it's been a roller coaster season with that infection in her knee, which is a lingering injury, needed to take some rest up and down. And then to come back second in Besançon, it must be nice for her. And it's a confirmation for her that... If everything goes well, she is not out of touching distance for a medal at the World Championships next year. Absolutely. I think that she can be, you know, she can look back on a very, very good race. And uh, Benny Dorn for her was all, was already not, not a bad race. It, it looked good, but it was still nothing, nothing special. Today, the same, but I think that today was a little improvement over Benny Dorn, and that is only a good thing. So... Uh, with the worlds coming up, <laughs> it might be might be a race where she can where she can save save her season. But I think that you know that her reasoning for for the performance this season are, are quite serious. And you know, I, I just hope for her that she can actually recover from it very well and see if she's able to get back to 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 a level that she you know could be achieving. I think because. Vors normally has the potential to be fighting for more for podiums over a season and you know it was just not possible with the uh, with the injury that she had so you know we hope that uh, that after the world she can find the solution with uh, with an operation and from there on see how how it will develop from there yeah i just said next year but i of course mean next week in hoogerheide where she definitely is not without a shot at the medal. I mean, I would probably guess that Alvarado and Brandt are a bit better, but again, it's a world championship. A lot can happen. 
And the same goes for Van der Heide. She was actually infected by COVID in the end of the Christmas period. Needed to withdraw from the Dutch National Championships because she wasn't really properly recovered from that. But then after the training camp, things are in an upwards trend. Camille van der Berg said that that 12th place in Benidorm was already promising. And then third in Besançon is for Van der Berg a confirmation that his Poulain van der Heide is on the right trajectory towards the World Championships next week. If we look at the entire top 10 then, we see that there are quite some non-Dutch flags, which is nice to see, behind the Dutch podium of Pieter Vorst and Van der Heide. All podiums this season of the World Cup have been all Dutch. We see a fourth place for Zoe Backstedt, ahead of Katablanka Vash, then Marie Schreiber in sixth, ahead of Manon Bakker, then Denise Betsema in eighth, Helene Clausel in ninth, with Marion Norbert Ribehol running out the top 10 in 10th. So I think there's a couple of riders that we need to discuss here. I think, of course, Backstedt, fourth place, is a good result. It's uh, the same as her best result ever in the World Cup. She equals that fourth place of Havre. I do rate that a bit higher due to the startlist quality there, but again, a fourth place today is a good result for her. Definitely, it was today a very strong uh, strong outing from Backstedt. And it, it, it was... I would say a bit painful, but we kind of know that she struggles a little bit technically in the corners. It's not, uh, you know, when I say struggle technically a little bit, doesn't mean that she's not able to handle the bike. Uh, if I would follow her <laughs> on my bike in the two corners, I will be losing two seconds on her. But I think that compared to some of the women, uh, she she can lose out a little bit. And if you lose every corner three to five tens or even a second it will add up and that was visible today a little bit i think that she was very strong uh, and it would have been a different race for her if she actually was able to make the connection with the two from triple seven and uh, from there on it was you know when you're in the wheels the racing will be different the dynamic can be different and then you might end up in a situation where you can fight for a podium in in such a race but it didn't go that way, and nevertheless, the result was still uh, impressive, and it was a very good outing from her. Yeah, definitely. Technically, it was not perfect, but again, I think she can be happy. There's still room for improvement. She's in the hands of Dieter van Turenhout. I think that's a capable coach who can really help her learn the tips and tricks of cross, and that is helping her. I think it also benefited Honsinger, who unfortunately needed to withdraw after a crash in the start section, but tough season for Honsinger but again I think on the fast courses she has improved if we look who end behind Backset, Vash and Schreiber I think Vash rode a pretty anonymous race she should normally have been able to follow Backset, but as we know Vash has been sick around the Hungarian national championships had another bug during the Christmas period I don't expect all too much from Vash at Worlds I will once again say that I'm not going to go all in on saying, well, Vash, it's a bit of a flop, SD Works is terrible for her, but I will wait for the upcoming road season. I mean, it is perfectly possible that these bugs are affecting her and that on the road season she will be strong again. But if this road season is again disappointing, then I think it's fair that we start putting question marks about that transfer to SD Works. I hope that Mari Schreiber is not waiting the same destiny because she's moving to SD Works after this cross season as well. 
but for her I was relatively surprised about the way that she rode her race. We know that she's always fast, fast starter, had a fast first lap. But then what I was most surprised by was her final lap because she was in that big group and she rode super smart. She sat in the back of that group that was racing for I think it was 6th or 5th and in the final lap she put in her fastest lap of the race by far. Almost 20 seconds faster than her previous fastest lap and it was actually the third fastest lap of the race or no technically the fourth fastest lap because Peterson put in two laps that were faster but Worsten and Schreiber were the then the two second and third fastest riders out there so yeah really impressive final lap and sixth is a very good result for her yeah absolutely I think that um like you said that was that was kind of the surprise because we know that Schreiber is a fast starter and is able to you know then it's the question of when is is the dip coming uh but now she was was actually able to just you know maintain and i think that sixth place for her was was definitely very strong that she was able to to get herself between the likes of Blanca Fosch, Bakker and and, and Betsema so i think that she you know she rode very strong and i mean very interesting to see how she will develop uh, with that move to SD Works, what she will, what what they will do with her in terms of the, the road and um, how how she will develop over the course of next season in in cyclocross with SD Works. Then finally, I think a rider that will be uh, fuming on her way back to the Netherlands, Mandon Bakker, ended seventh, has had a couple of good results, including a podium in Valdisol. She's not selected for the World Championships. They selected Anique van Alphen. Today van Alphen ended 11th, Bakker in 7th, even ahead of Betsema. I think for Bakker, who was already frustrated with the decision, that will only have added to her frustrations. Like, here, see, I'm better than them. You should have taken me. It's, it's a difficult situation, and it will only be more difficult uh, for the Dutch selection in terms of, of the women category. And it is difficult because van Alphen is maybe not performing at her best at the moment well you you could make the case for Bucker that she has been been improving but you know they they were close over the season i think there was a statistic from from Gerben de Knecht where he said that van Alphen finished like i don't know it was 13 to 5 or something 1v1s but i think that that as a as a, as a coach you need to look who is going to be in the best form in, in, in the particular race in the world championships and yeah it, it's 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 very difficult to make that decision and you know i <laughs> i'm grateful that i'm not the one making those decisions so i can definitely understand that bakker is is a bit upset with 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 that but you know it was for her a difficult season it wasn't the greatest of season and i think for her it's uh i wouldn't say i wouldn't care about it but i would i would take it a little bit lighter and you know, take it as a as a motivation to 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 build yourself even better in the next season and, and make sure that they cannot get around you. Oh yeah, I mean, she said she un- somewhat understood it, but it's logical that as an athlete you are frustrated if you don't make the biggest race of the season. And as you say, Van Alfa over the course of the season has been better. The head to head after today is eleven five in the advantage of Van Alfa. But in the beginning of the season, as you say, Manon Bakker had in had like the knee injury that she obtained in one of these German races. So it's not been ideal for her. 
she's been better now, but as you say again, it's such a tough to- choice to make. And it's only going to become increasingly tough next year when Van Anhoy is coming in. You need to hope that the World Cup winner, World Champion and European Champion are different riders because if, say, Van Van Empel goes for the Grand Slam and wins all three, yeah, then Netherlands only has eight spots and good luck filling those because Netherlands can easily bring over eight, nine riders that can top ten worlds. So it's a difficult choice to make. I can understand the choice for Van Alphen, but I could have equally understood the choice for Manon Bakker, so... It's unfortunate, but it is what it is, and as you say, Bakker said she will take this as a motivational point and train harder for a better season next year. Then we've had it, Isam. Thank you for talking about the World Cup in Besançon with me. No worries, thank you for having me, and I think we start now with uh, with the countdown towards the Worlds. Huh? Yeah, we are going to be bringing some podcasts this week. We will be making a big preview episode and we will hopefully be bringing some interviews as well with some riders this week. So stay tuned for that. Thanks everyone for listening and goodbye.